Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode 44 of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. With Christmas right around the corner, I figured now would be the perfect time for the annual Christmas-themed show. This episode will feature two stories of Christmas tree hunting gone wrong, and might just inspire you to get a fake one in the future. This first story follows a young woman and her boyfriend as she introduces him to her family's annual tradition of Christmas tree shopping. It's not until they are surrounded by a sea of pine needles and branches that she realizes she may have made a terrible mistake. Written by a friend of the show and one of my personal favorite authors, Blair Daniels, here is Today I Went Christmas Tree Shopping, Something Horrifying Happened. Growing up, I never went Christmas tree shopping. We had a fake tree from the 90s that sat in our basement, only to come out for an elaborate assembly ritual each year. Sorting through the 100-plus plastic branches took hours, but it was something we were supposed to be grateful for. Just be glad you're not out in the freezing weather or trying to haul a 50-pound tree up onto the roof of the car, my mom would say. When I moved into a place of my own, though, I decided to put an end to this nonsense. We're going to get a real tree this year, I told my boyfriend, Robert. We only had a 600-square-foot apartment, but I was determined. We'd get a tiny, skinny little thing to rival Charlie Brown's if we had to. So, one December evening, we went over to the local farm to choose our tree. Like I said, I'd never been Christmas tree shopping before, but as soon as we arrived, I knew I'd love it. Pre-cut trees were lined up in rows, each held tight by its own stand. Spaced so close on the grass that they formed a dense forest. Edison light bulbs hung overhead, casting a warm golden glow. The weather was weird that evening, unseasonably warm and foggy, and the way the lights dispersed through the fog, silhouetting the trees, looked like a shot from a Hallmark movie. This is so cool. I whispered to Robert. Have you really never gotten a real tree before? Yep, never. Hey, what's that? I asked, pointing to the end of the field. There was a large plastic roll of something, and standing next to it, a man. He looked very fitting here with his flannel shirt and a lumberjack beard. Robert took a look before replying to my question. Netting that they put on the trees to keep all the branches in, so they can transport them more easily. Oh, cool. I took him by the arm. Let's go find our tree. We started down the narrow aisles, 
The air smelled like pine, like that one candle mom always burned around Christmas time. Robert tried to match my enthusiasm, but eventually seemed bored, lagging behind me as I ran through the place like an excited little girl. I finally stopped in front of a particularly beautiful tree. Its branches were thick and lush, and the fragrance of pine was strong, filling my nose. Slowly, I reached out to touch it. The needles were surprisingly soft and pliable under my fingers, nothing like these shiny plastic ones I'd seen all my life. Robert, come here. I think I found... I stopped. Robert was not behind me. Robert? I glanced around, but all I saw were the pine trees. Rows and rows of them, like a thick forest all around me. The light bulbs buzzed above my head, their soft golden glow dispersing in the thick fog. Robert! Where are you? I hurried down the aisle, needles scraping at my jacket. He couldn't have gone far. Probably started looking at memes on his phone and didn't even notice I was miles ahead of him. Robert! I called again. No answer. I pulled out my phone and shot off a text. Where are you? When no reply came, I sighed angrily and continued towards the rolly, netty things. Maybe he was waiting for me there. But my sense of direction must have been messed up, because when I rounded the corner, all I saw was more trees. I pulled out my phone to call him, and that's when I heard the footsteps. Oh, thank goodness. I whipped around, trying to pinpoint the source. And then I saw it. A flash of motion between the trees. It wasn't Robert. It was the lumberjack guy that I'd seen standing next to the netting. He was in the aisle over, Slowly, methodically, he walked through the grass, as if looking for something. Maybe I can ask him if he saw Robert. I hurried down the aisle until I was several feet behind him, running parallel. I sucked in a breath, and then stopped dead in my tracks. Something was swinging from his hand. Something heavy, glinting gold in the lights strung above our heads. An axe. I stood frozen watching him until he turned the corner and disappeared among the trees. Of course, of course he would have an axe. That's how they cut down the trees, right? Never mind that these trees have already been cut. Maybe he needed to... I don't know. 
trim them or something. Maybe... A scream echoed out on the other end of the field. My heart plummeted. Instinctively, I lurched forward to run towards the scream to see if it was Robert. Except I couldn't. I looked down to see that the belt loop of my jeans was snagged on one of the needly branches. Oh, come on. I quickly reached down to unhook it from my pants. Then I took off running down the aisle. But the aisle seemed so much more narrow than before. I couldn't run that fast, with the branches reaching in from both sides, clawing at my legs. A corner laid up ahead, and as I came to it, I prayed I'd see the parking lot at the other end, with Robert waiting for me. But I didn't. Ahead of me, there were more trees. Like I was stuck in some sort of Christmas tree maze. Like they were rearranging themselves to block off all the exits. And the aisle was impossibly narrow now. I had to stop running so that I would not trip over the branches extending into the path. The progress was slow, but I kept going leaping over branches, needles scratching at my face, snagging on my jacket. And then I heard a sound. It was coming off to my right. A sort of rolling sound. Like something round being turned over and over. I ran to the impossibly thick tangle of tree branches and peered out. More trees, but beyond them, I could see the checkout station, with the rolling of netting for packing the trees. The lumberjack man was there, packing something. It wasn't a tree. My stomach lurched as I saw what looked like a body being wrapped in white netting. The body of a man, wearing a black jacket and a striped hat. I pushed myself through the hedge. The branches stabbed at me, scraping so hard against my arms that they drew blood. And then finally, I popped out onto the other side. If the checkout station was there, I knew the parking lot was to the left. So I kept going pushing myself through the tangled web of branches until I was bloody and bruised on the other side. I locked myself in the car, and then I called 911. By the time the police arrived, the man was gone. And Robert. Both had disappeared. And the patch of Christmas trees looked as magical as it did when we arrived. The police have been searching for Robert for the past five days. Nothing has come up. No evidence, no clues, no body. I know in my heart that he isn't with us anymore. His family is still holding on to hope, but I know what happened to him that day.
But sometimes, I wonder if there's a reason we haven't found his body yet. Maybe he was put in that netting for a reason. Maybe trees are not the only thing they sell on that farm. Christmas is definitely ruined for that, poor soul. Am I right? Dear listener, my family and I always used a fake tree, and it always looked great. Way less hassle, in my opinion. But it doesn't smell nice in our house. Ah, whatever. Get some pine candles and call it a day. For those of you who are still not convinced and still want to go out and get the real thing, I have one more story that might change your mind. Written by yet another friend of the show, Jordan Group, aka JG Creepypastas on Reddit, I present Don't Go Christmas Tree Hunting After Dark in Northern Canada. When I was growing up, Every Christmas, we would go out hunting for a tree. The perfect one. Just the right size to put up in our living room. It was always an excursion. Going out into the countryside. Crammed into the snow-covered car in our winter wear. My mom and dad. My brother, Noel. And me. The four of us. We were an unstoppable team, heading out into the white wilderness to find that one ideal specimen to hack down and drag home with us, so we could decorate it in tinsel and cover it with ornaments, lights, and all the works. Every year it was our tradition, until one year it wasn't anymore. Dad passed away a couple years back. And with all this pandemic business, it doesn't look like we'll be doing much as a family this Christmas for the first time I can remember. It was with this feeling of melancholy and neglected nostalgia in mind that I hopped into my car on a whim and drove out into the snow-covered countryside to find a Christmas tree. The whole thing was a bit out of the ordinary for me. But I was feeling stir-crazy, sitting in my apartment. I had just been quarantined for a week due to an exposure at work, and had finally gotten back the negative test results and subsequent all-clear to venture outdoors again. After days of Uber Eats, watching reruns, and old Christmas movies, I could finally leave my home. I couldn't remember where the place was that we had gone to as kids, so I just drove around until I found a farm with a sign out front. It took a couple of hours, but I liked that lost feeling, that sense of misdirection that none of us experience anymore since we all have GPS and cell phones. I turned my phone off and put it in my glove box, vowing not to use it for the trip instead just wandering until I found that sign that I was looking for. Christmas trees, it read. $40 each. Bring your own saw. 
B-Y-O-S. Perfect, I thought. Just like the old days. I pulled into the frozen gravel lot and parked. It was getting a bit late in the day, so the few people in the parking lot were already tying trees to the roofs of their cars or throwing them in the back of their pickup trucks. Better hurry, said a man in a flannel shirt and overalls as soon as I got out of my car. Gets dark early nowadays. Don't want to get stuck out there after the sun goes down. Gets cold quick in these parts. I was immediately struck by his intimidating height. Being six foot five myself, I don't often run into someone taller than me. He looked down at me, and I thought he had to be above seven feet tall. His skin was stretched taut over prominent cheekbones, and he appeared emaciated and malnourished. Uh, thanks, I said. I haven't done this since I was a kid. Hopefully I still remember how to work a hacksaw. He looked at me crooked for a second, then smiled in a slightly creepy way. His teeth were yellow and nicotine stained. His eyes looked yellow as well, his skin rough and covered in sores. You never forget how to use a hacksaw. It's like riding a bike. But remember what I said about the darkness. And the cold. You from around here? Yeah, more or less. Why? He watched for another second, chewing a wad of something sticky and brown in his mouth as he did. Just make sure you're back at the car by sundown. Lots of animals out. And not much to eat this time of year. What kind of animals? All kinds. Wolves, coyotes, other things, too. I assumed he was the unstable owner of the place, and guessed by his comments that he was slightly insane. One of his eyes was looking at me, and the other was staring off into the distance. The parking lot was soon abandoned, as all the other cars seemed to leave at the same time as I prepared to go out. Trudging through the snow, bundled up with my hacksaw in hand, I proceeded into the forest of Christmas trees, and he stood and watched me go. The trees near the entrance were too large to fit in my living room. It took me a while to get into the decent ones, and I found that a lot of the best specimens had been taken. This one had a hole the size of a basketball in the boughs. That one was already starting to turn brown and looked sick. Too small, too large, too skinny, too tall, too fat, wouldn't fit. <sighs> Before I knew it, I realized I was having trouble seeing where I was going. The sun had been subtly setting behind my back. I tripped over something and fell in the snow. When I got up, my gloves were damp and I realized my feet were starting to feel numb. It was suddenly getting very cold. Okay, I thought to myself. 
Just pick one and get out of here. A lot of the trees looked sick and dying, I realize now. They were missing large sections and none of them looked suitable for use. I finally settled on a random one after a couple of minutes and quickly hacked it down with the saw. By the time I was done, it was pretty much completely dark outside. I thought again about the man's warning to return to my car before it got dark and started to get nervous and wondered why he had been so insistent. Perhaps there are wolves, a voice in my mind said. Or bears. Maybe there are wendigos. Ugh, why did I have to think about that? As I walked through the knee-deep snow, dragging the sick-looking little tree behind me, I remembered what I had read about them. Wendigos were creatures first mentioned in Canadian First Nations folklore, and I had once done a project on them for school. I discovered through my research that a Wendigo is an evil, malevolent spirit. It's fueled by greed and loves the snow. It prefers its victims hungry, like those found in remote regions during winter months. It possesses people and causes Wendigo psychosis, a condition diagnosed by psychiatrists. Symptoms include cravings for human flesh. Those who are possessed want to eat people. For every person the creature kills and consumes, its gaunt and skinny frame grows taller, thus never feeling satisfied. It is towering in its height, thin and human-like, but motivated only by greed and an insatiable hunger for human flesh. The Wendigo tend to appear in the winter when food is scarce. They love the cold. They are drawn in by starvation and ice-cold, freezing despair. My stomach rumbled with hunger. Snap out of it, I told myself. That's when I thought I heard something. Footsteps in the snow behind me. I stopped walking and turned around quickly to look. No one. I began to walk again. The darkness was nearly total but my eyes had adjusted enough not to trip as I trudged along through the deep snow, dragging the tree by its trunk. That's when I heard the sound again. Footsteps. Closer this time. Movement of another person walking in the snow. I turned around, and the sound stopped. But I had been sure that time. Someone was following me. Hello? I looked around, scanning the shadows in the direction where I had heard the noise. Is someone there? No one. Hesitantly, I turned around and began to march again, my thighs now numb from the cold 
My toes had gone from a wet and frozen pins and needles sensation that I associated with childhood tobogganing excursions to now suddenly feeling painful and dead. The temperature had plunged rapidly. I had not checked the forecast, but this seemed unnatural. It felt like it was minus 30 degrees Celsius. My breath plumed out in the air in front of me, and my hands began to shake involuntarily. Suddenly, my teeth were chattering, and I was having trouble walking, my legs not wanting to move. The sound was coming from behind me again, much closer now. I turned around, and this time, it didn't stop. It didn't try to hide. The thing coming at me looked very much like the man from the parking lot, but he was no longer human. Maybe he never was in the first place. His plaid shirt was torn, and it looked like he had grown taller than before and was now pushing eight feet. Jaundiced eyes full of hate and hunger stared at me as he raced towards me, his long legs making him move quickly in the snow. For a moment, I was frozen there, in more ways than one. It felt like the closer he got, the colder it was, and if anything propelled me to escape from him, it was that. I did not want to feel that freezing dread for one second longer. It felt like death. My heart was racing. I dropped the tree and ran. The fear I felt as I raced through the snow was indescribable. Have you ever been so afraid that your body doesn't feel real anymore? Your muscle memory doing everything for you, telling your body to run, and you don't even have time to think. You just run. The problem is when there's an eight-foot-tall Wendigo chasing after you, and they're obviously hungry and fast as hell. That's when it doesn't matter how quick you can run, because you're still gonna die. I heard him gaining on me, and I knew if I looked back, I would die. Just that brief momentary lack of focus would be enough to cause my demise. My heart skipped a beat as I felt it swipe at my clothing, nearly grabbing hold of me, and I realized I would never get away running like I was. I could hear its breath behind me very close, breathing heavily as it ran. Headlights flashed suddenly, illuminating me, and I heard the Wendigo scream and duck away. The parking lot was to my left, I realized. I had reached it just as the creature was about to grab me. It would have done it too, had it not been for this one random person pulling into the parking lot. I heard the Wendigo running off back into the trees, clearly terrified of the light. 
With my heart hammering, I walked towards the parking lot. I wanted to thank whoever it was in the car, since they had saved me. Even if it had not been intentional, it did happen. Interestingly, the car looked familiar, I realized as I walked over to it. My older brother, Noel, rolled down his window, and the expression of his face revealed a total lack of surprise or any other emotion. Noel, you saved me, man. Thank you. There was something chasing me out there in the woods. A Wendigo? He asked. Yeah. How did you know? And how did you know I was out here? Mom told me you went out looking for a tree, and there's only a couple of places you can go these days. I got worried about you. Don't you remember what Dad always told us? The memory started to flood back to me. I had forgotten what my father had warned us over and over again. No wonder the advice from the man in the parking lot had been so familiar. <sighs> Never go hunting for Christmas trees after dark, I said. But what does that have to do with Wendigos? Man, think about it. Those guys love the cold, right? And they love when people are hungry. What are the two things you always remember feeling when we went out looking for trees as kids? My stomach rumbled again, louder this time. Why had I skipped dinner before coming out here? Point taken. My whole body is completely frozen solid. Totally dumb. And I'm starving. Follow me he said. I'll drive to the nearest burger place and we'll get a bite to eat and get you warmed up. I got into my car with one last parting glance at the woods. Yellow eyes gleamed from the darkness. Maybe I'll get the veggie burger for a while. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. If you're interested in learning more about either of the authors, links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Both of these authors have books available on Amazon, so be sure to go support them if you're looking for some nice gifts for the horror fans in your life. I'll leave separate links for those as well. And, you know, since you're on Amazon already, looking for some scary books, you might want to check out the Nope Collection, you know, my book. <laughs> That's there too. Link in the description as well. Anyway, I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. I hope you stay safe, stay warm, and stay sane amongst all the last-minute shopping and possible family squabbles. Just remember, it could always be worse. You could get trafficked by a crazy lumberjack, or eaten alive by a Wendigo. It's all about perspective. Be sure to check back in two weeks for the next episode, the final show of 2022, 
which will center around New Year's Eve. So that'll be cool. But until then, this is your host, Dan David, reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.